worship this morning. Psalm 100 says, come before his presence with joyful singing. And so this morning, that is what we're going to do. We're coming before his presence with a joyful song. Thank you, Jesus, that you are in this place. We're here to lift your name high.
Welcome. Welcome, everybody. My name's Curtis. If we haven't met before, it's great to see you. Uh, I've got a couple of announcements, but before we do that, you can sit down and give somebody a high five while you're doing it. And also give the other person a fist bump and whatever else you can think of. Greet each other. All right. Awesome. Uh, as you can see, we've got these awesome kids lining up behind me. We've got a kids choir coming up right after announcements. So um, that's going to be super fun. Yeah. Uh, so if you're unfamiliar with this space, we've got restrooms behind this wall. Uh, and then there's handicapped restrooms downstairs, more restrooms upstairs. We've got water back there as well, water fountains and bottle fill stations. We have, out on the courtyard, we have coffee. And uh, next week, we've got graduation Sunday. So if you have kids that are 6th grade, 8th grade, or 12th grade, uh, we're going to be honoring them next week during the 11 o'clock service. It's going to be super fun, um, so we're excited to do that. So make sure you bring them here uh, during the 11 o'clock service, and we're going to have a little uh, thing for them, so it's going to be great. Uh, as well, just, just FYI for everybody, we're working on the chapel venue. We had some technical uh, issues first service, so we're not opening at this service, but hopefully next week we'll have that all up and running and, and operating well. So um, with that, let's put our hands together for the kids.
awesome job, choir. Let's give them another round of applause. Awesome. Church, will you stand with us as we continue to worship this morning?
just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Because I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Till every dark addiction starts to break. Declaring there is hope and there is freedom, I speak Jesus. Your name is power, your name is healing, your name is life. Break every stronghold, shine through the shadows. Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus.
God. Thank you, Lord. Mm. <laughs> Lord, it's great to celebrate your name. It's the name by which people are saved and sanctified and healed and delivered and set free. God, it's your name that is powerful and full of healing and grace and kindness, Lord God. It's your name that challenges us to live differently and to live according to your plans and purposes. It's your name that gives us the power. It's your spirit that gives us the power. It's your grace that gives us the power to do what you've called us to do, to live the way that you've called us to live and to be who you've called us to be. So, Lord God, we just continue to invite you. We invite you into this place, Lord, all over this campus. God, as people are gathered online and watching and just in different venues around this place, Lord, we just invite you to download your grace and your truth and your power. God, for those of us who sing about it but don't really fully grasp it, Lord, I pray that we would get it on a whole new level, Lord, for power for deliverance, for freedom over addictions, Lord, for uh, new faith for our marriages and for the, the people in our lives, Lord God. We, we want to have renewed faith and confidence that you're able to save and sanctify our kids and our grandkids and every future generation that we know, Lord God, that you would do a wonderful and mighty work. God, not just here at Harvest, but in every church on the central coast that lifts up the name of Jesus, God, that we be united and one, pursuing you, Jesus, going into all the world, making disciples, Lord, that we would make disciples, that we that would be discipled, Lord, that we'd become the people that you've called us to be. So, Lord, God, I, I just know that we want to reflect you and honor you with our lives. So, so, Lord, as we gather on a Sunday morning for corporate worship and to be equipped to go back into the streets and into the lives that you've called us into, God, empower us, equip us, give us what we need, strength, hope, confidence, vision, and purpose, we pray. Thank you for who you are. We love you. We bless you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Turn and greet your neighbor. We will come back in just a moment. Come on back, grab a chair, grab a chair. How many is your first time in this new venue here today? First time in the new venue today. I'm still getting used to it. There we go. <laughs> I'm still getting used to it. 
I'm uh, so grateful. You know, first service, we're able to look out and see people that used to be kind of scattered in different venues, and now we get to look out. Second service, the same. It's just delightful to see your faces in person, and I'm um, so grateful for what God has given to us here. We're so, so excited about that. Hey, we're going to take a moment and pray for Eva. Is Eva here today? Eva Kessler, come on up. Yeah. So Eva has been, how long have you been at this church? As long as I can remember. As long as you can remember. So I remember when you came in, how, so you're 21 now? Almost. Almost 21. So you were about two, I think, when you showed up. Yeah, so you were about right here, right here. Yeah. And uh, when you and Nolan and your parents showed up, it was just a... Uh, just such a blessing. And so we've had a chance to watch you grow up. You're getting, you just graduated from Cuesta College. Congratulations. And now for summer missions, yeah, give her, yeah, that's awesome. And uh, for summer missions, Eva's dedicating the next two months of her life to go to South Lake Tahoe. I know. I know, it's, it's a hard sell, right? Like, support me, I'm going to South Lake Tahoe to do the Lord's work, right? <laughs> it's a hard sell. David Salamaka is another guy that's going out in about a month, and he's going to Hawaii to do the Lord's work. But uh, <laughs> he's going, actually, he's going to Kona, Hawaii to be a part of uh, some missions training there with YWAM. And then um, Jacob Erdman is in uh, Juneau, Alaska. Yeah, so he's there doing work. He's already left. He left so quickly, we didn't get a chance to bring him up to pray for him, but we'd like to pray over him today. And uh, so tell us what's going to be happening in South Lake Tahoe. Yeah, so it's with Crew, which also is called Campus Crusade for Christ. And um, what's really cool is they've been doing this summer mission for at South Lake Tahoe for 50 years now. So they have a really awesome community in South Lake Tahoe. And part of our um, missions there is holding a full-time job. So I will be working at Heavenly Mountain Resort as a <laughs> recreation attendant. So yeah, super exciting and yeah, pretty rough. <laughs> but the other part of um, our missions up there is going to be discipleship training and evangelism to the locals um, because there, there is a good, um, like, religion up there but it's very much like new age mm. so not good in that sense i guess but yeah <laughs> i'm cracking yeah but um so a lot of these people have a sense that there is a higher power right. and there is you know greater things beyond our own life however um they're putting their trust in the wrong things yeah. so it'll be a really cool opportunity to serve in our own nation yeah. and yeah Get a taste of that. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I heard that there's a possibility after South Lake Tahoe that you might be going off to Spain as well. Is that a possibility? Your dad <laughs> <Yeah>. told me, <laughs> he whispered in my ear that Spain might be coming. So, hey, we just want to say thanks for going. Thanks for committing two months of your summer to this and possibly three months as you go to Spain to do some missions work there as well. Um, we just want to bless you. Have you raised all of your money? How much do you need to raise? I have $598 left. Okay. And I leave on Wednesday. So, and then Thursday is our official start date. So I am praying to be fully covered by the time I get up there. And you will be. Yeah. Yeah. If you'd like to give to missions work uh, that these three young people are going to do, uh, just let us know on your check if you, you know, say, hey, Harvest Church, in the memo, we just put missions, and uh, we'll make sure we get it out there. Jacob Erdman raised all of his money. Uh, Eva's almost there, and David Salamanca's got a long way to go. So we will, um, if you want information about what David Salamanca's doing on the info center, there's a 
flyer there that will help you understand what he's doing. And then in about three or four weeks before he goes, we'll bring him up and pray over him as well. So let's, let's go ahead and stand up, extend our hands, and let's pray for this woman of God. Lord, we pray for Eva. She is, she is so awesome, Lord. I'm so grateful for the years that we've known her, really since the beginning of Harvest Church. She's been here, Lord, her family have been serving here and been a part of what we're doing here, Lord. So we bless her, Lord God. We say thank you for bringing her into this community of believers, Lord. And we believe in her, Lord. We believe that you called her for this purpose, Lord, to go be salt and light in South Lake Tahoe as she serves at Heavenly Ski Resort, Lord, that she would be salt and light, that people who are searching would be drawn to her, that she would have insight and wisdom, what to share. She would have verses of scripture to communicate and, and just the opportunity to pray powerfully for people and speak powerfully into people's lives, Lord, so that the people that she comes in contact with, with her whole team, Lord, that they would never be the same again, that they would have seeds planted into their lives and that they would be haunted by that truth in a good way, Lord God, to be haunted by your goodness and they would, would surrender and submit to you. So we bless her, Lord, keep her safe from the schemes of the enemy. We pray, God, that she would be safe and productive and fruitful for the kingdom work that you've called her to do. And, and direct her steps regarding Spain as well, Lord. If that's an open door, we pray that you would direct her heart, give her wisdom about that, Lord. We pray for... Uh, uh, David Salamanca, who's going to be going up to Kona, Hawaii, Lord, bless him, Lord, as he's trying to raise money and he's going to be spending uh, an extended amount of time there. We, we bless David, Lord, in his work there. We pray for Jacob Erdman as he's already in Juneau, Alaska, Lord. We just pray that you would watch over him and for the things that he's about to do and is involved in. We just pray for fruitful, powerful, kingdom-type stuff, Lord God, that, and that each of these young people going out would never be the same again. They'd be impacted and that their lives would be marked for your work and that they would just move forward in life, whatever they do, that they'd be salt and light. So bless them, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We love you. Thanks, Eva. Yeah. So as we send out people, uh, just make a note and remember to pray for them. Um, you know, they're gone kind of, you know, the ten tendencies maybe is out of sight, out of mind. So just write their names down. And then just remember to pray for them every day. They're really making a kingdom impact in the places that they're going. Hey, I was made aware of this uh, Ukraine relief effort. And uh, so what we'll do is uh, we're, we're going to be teaming with Grace Central Coast and a host of other churches. And so we're going to try to get containers of supplies out to people in Ukraine, people fighting on the front lines and that sort of thing. So we'll put this on our website and um, we'll make you aware of it. The, uh, they're trying to get stuff like right away. So if you'd like to be a part of that effort to bless the Ukrainian people in their time of need, then um, we'll make this available to you. So it'll be on the email update going out this week, and it'll also be on the website. So my team's like, what? What are you talking about? Anyway, so that's what, that's what we're going to do. So anyway, just like to encourage you to do that. So hey, we're going to be in James 1, 19 through 27. We're talking about becoming people with godly integrity, people with godly integrity. That sounds like a tall order, right? You're like, you don't know me. <laughs> you, <laughs> I've struggled with integrity and being a person of my word my whole life. But I, I just tend to look at people in Scripture, and I find encouragement there. You know, as we study the book of James, we, we realized last week that James couldn't even believe that Jesus was the Messiah until after 
the resurrection. James is the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so James watched his brother grow up in all of his perfection. I'm sure there was some competition there, some competitive brotherly sibling type stuff going on. And so when James finds out or has heard that, that his brother is the Messiah, he's like, whatever, right? <laughs> I can't believe that's true. And so he just, he and most of his siblings, I think maybe all of his siblings just failed to get a hold of the reality that Jesus is the Messiah. And so James, who doubted in the beginning until he saw evidence of the resurrection that his brother was indeed the Messiah, he began to press in and begin to believe that Jesus is indeed who he claimed to be, and his life was completely transformed. We, we learned last week that they called him Camel Knees. James was called Camel Knees because he became such a man of prayer that he just wear his knees out and they look like little camel's knees. And so he became a man who was completely transformed. They called him James the Just because he was, well, in their estimation, the most righteous man that they've ever Met. And so we see the transformation. We think through guys like Peter, and we think through Matthew, the tax collector. We think about all of these people who had their lives radically transformed by the gospel, the same gospel that we hopefully proclaim, the same gospel that we believe, the same gospel that we have embraced and want to live out in our lives. And so there's this transformational process that's possible for each of us. Why? Because as we trust Jesus to be our Savior, to be the one who forgives us, he's the one who sets us free. He's the one that fills us with this Holy Spirit. He's the one that empowers us for transformation. He's the one that empowers us for new life in Jesus Christ. We're actually born again according to John 3, 3. So we're born anew, born afresh, and God's given us fresh purpose, fresh identity. And part of that fresh purpose and Fresh identity is godly integrity. Our lives need to be marked by godly integrity. You know, when we sin, we sin in either word, thought, or deed. These are the ways in which we sin in word. We say the wrong thing. We think the wrong thing. We do the wrong thing. And so James challenges us to allow the word of God to accomplish its intended purpose in our lives. The scriptures are written to give us God's story. It, uh, they're written so that we might understand who God is and what he's accomplishing in the earth. So we get his story, other, otherwise known as history. We get the history of God in the pages of scripture. Also, we get his plan, his desire for our lives. We get his blueprint, as it were, for our lives. And we get his plan for this world. He's got a plan for this world. He's got a plan for eternity. And as we study the pages of Scripture in the Old and the New Testament, we get to see what God intends for his people, what he has designed us for. James speaks to us in this section about God's plan for our personal integrity. And really throughout the five chapters from the book of James, it's really much about our personal integrity where James is just nailing us with some pretty sober truth, sober reality about how we are meant to live our lives. And so if you haven't done it yet, go back and reread re all of James. It'll take you about you know, a half hour or so to read those five chapters. But just soak yourself in the book of James as we teach through it these next 10 weeks or so and just watch what God will do. What does integrity mean even? I mean, if we're talking about integrity, what does that even mean? So I've got some definitions for us. Integrity. Steadfast adherence 
to a strict moral or ethical code. The state of being unimpaired, soundness, the quality or condition of being whole or undivided, completeness. <laughs> it sounds like a heavy-duty heavy load, right? And it kind of is a heavy-duty load. But listen, everything that God wants to do in us and with us and through us requires that we're empowered by the supernatural power of God. So we look at this, we think in, in our own strength, we'll never gonna, we're never going to measure up. And I'm right there with, in my own strength, I'm never going to measure up. But with God as my source and my resource, with God as the one who strengthens us to do the stuff that he's called us to do and, and give us the grace to be the people that he's called us to be, we can, we can measure up by his grace. We're called in the scripture to be perfect even as God is perfect. So we have this responsibility and this opportunity to raise the bar in our own lives and not, no longer settling for what we've maybe settled for along the way. A person with integrity is the same in private as they are in person. Isn't that interesting? That's a challenge, right? Am I the same here in front of you as I am in private? That's the challenge. That's the personal integrity that God has called us to step into by his grace. So it's overwhelming because it's a big tall order. But by God's grace, we can do it. And James encourages us because he has lived a life where he has seen transformational things happen, where he's become, uh, he's become more and more like Jesus, the sanctification process where he becomes less and less like his old man who was fearful and unbelieving and maybe jealous and angry. And now he's become a man of prayer, a man of conviction, a man of righteousness, a man of integrity. So being people with, uh, becoming people with godly integrity Integrity is the title of our message today. James 1.19 gets us opened up here. Let's jump in to James chapter 1, uh, verse 19. It says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Why? Because human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So number one in your notes, allow God to develop in you his righteousness. We have to cooperate, allowing God to develop within us his righteousness. What does the word righteous mean? Well, let's define the word righteous. In a broad sense, it's the state of him who is as he ought to be. Righteousness, the condition acceptable to God. So God's got a standard, a condition uh, for our living. He wants us to live a certain way that is acceptable to him. The doctrine concerning the way in which man may attain a state approved by God. So we're saved by grace through faith, and we have the righteousness of God imputed to us. And we, it's called the, the great exchange where we give God our sin. He takes our sin and our failures, and he imputes to us righteousness. And so we have the righteousness of God. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus for salvation. But then beyond that, he calls us to live righteous in our personal lives. And so we're given the righteousness of God that gives us an invitation into heaven that takes us into the family of God. But then we're challenged through these books of the Bible to live as righteous men and women in the faith. So this is the doctrine concerning the way in which 
man may attain, a state approved by God. It speaks of integrity, virtue, purity of life, rightness, correctness of thinking, feeling, and acting. So this is what we're talking about, integrity and righteousness. We have a, a tall order before us, but by God's grace, he gives us the ability. This is why we challenge people all the time. You got to be in the word. You got to be connected to who Jesus is. You got to be filled with the Holy Spirit because in doing so, you will have the desire and the ability and the power and the grace to do the stuff that we're called to do in the scriptures. Verse 20 says, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So God, in his mercy, gave us steps. He's given us steps to avoid anger. And we see it right there in the scriptures. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. I wrote this message, finished it up on Friday, and I lived this message on Saturday because I was in a conversation with my wife on Saturday, and things began to get a little heated. She said something that I didn't like, and then I said something that she didn't like, and then it was kind of tense the rest of the day. <laughs> Have you ever experienced? No, just me. Okay. For me, let me just tell you, firsthand experience, it was a little tense yesterday, right? So like you have these moments of disagreement. <laughs> You're like, so all throughout the day, I'm like, hey, babe, are you mad at me? She's like, no. Just thinking. Ooh, she's still mad at me. <laughs> so we crawl in bed last night, and I put on my CPAP machine so I look like an astronaut, and I'm laying in bed. I'm like, hey, babe. Feels like things are a little off between us ever since that conversation. Are we okay? <laughs> you don't want the, you know, the sun go down on your wrath. And so I'm like, are we okay? And she's like, we're okay. We just need to talk some more. Whatever she said. I'm like, okay, we're okay. We're going to survive the night. So let's go to sleep. <laughs> and uh, so I read this and wrote the message on, you know, finished it up on Friday and then actually lived it on Saturday. I, I, I wish I would have just listened right? <laughs> because once a word is spoken, you can't get it back. I mean, it's like out there for all eternity. You can't get it back. You must be quick to listen. I believe this is the solution to anger, deciding to, uh, to, to listen and this deciding to not speak until the time is right. And it's a decision, right? It's, and it's about self-control, self and it's, not, it's about wanting to honor the other and bless God and, and live in right relationship with people in our lives. And so if I would have just listened a little bit longer and waited just a little bit longer to speak, I would have spoken something that would have been more gracious and kind. So we need to practice what we preach, and we need to practice what we read. Not listening hinders our ability to understand fully the situation. So sometimes we hear something, we're like, no, that's not it. Or we want to react or respond quickly. But if we'll just stop and just listen, God will give us the grace to respond in a kind and appropriate way. So holding your tongue is always a good idea. And James talks about it a little bit later in this chapter. Again, once a word is spoken, you can't, you can't get it back. So these two steps are a good remedy to help us keep our anger controlled. Human anger is to be rooted out of our lives if we are to be people of integrity. We can't allow ourselves the permission to be angry people and still pursue integrity in our lives. We actually have to root it out. 
We have to prayerfully ask God for help. We have to slow down, not react to the circumstances of our life, but allow ourselves just to be prayerful. Lord, I don't like what's going on. Would you help me to respond to it with a humble way? Lord, I don't know. I don't like what was said. Would you help me to understand the heart of the person who communicated it? Lord, I don't understand the circumstances of my life. Would you give me grace to walk through this in a way that honors you? I want my, my words to be seasoned with salt, to be seasoned with grace, to be seasoned with compassion, and I want my life to be a life of integrity. You know, last week we talked about the testing of our faith, and our faith is tested when things don't go our way. Our faith is tested when when we don't get our way. Will we get angry or will we choose to trust the Lord in those circumstances? Will we get angry about it or will we take a place of faith and trust and say, Lord, I don't understand, but I'm going to trust you. I I don't know how this is all going to pan out, but I'm going to believe you and I'm going to trust you and I'm going to move forward as a believer, as a follower in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's is our, trust in our, is our trust in our ability to make things happen or in our ability to believe that God's plan is unfolding? It will change the perspective of your life when you believe that you don't have to make everything happen, that you don't have to control everything or pressure people to make your uh, plans unfold or God's plans unfold. If we just believe that God is sovereign, he's omnipresent, He's omniscient. He knows everything. He's everywhere present at once. He knows exactly what is needed in every in in, in every given situation. So we can just rest in Him. Will we respond to hard and maybe even unfair circumstances with human anger, or supernatural faith and integrity? As we yield ourselves to God and His plans and purposes, as we allow the Spirit of God to fill us and the Word of God to teach us. We will more and more, not with perfection, but more and more, becoming more like Jesus, less like our old person. We'll we'll become people, men and women of integrity, who properly reflect the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So verse 21 says, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your soul. So, number one, allow God to develop in you his righteousness. And part of allowing God to develop in you his righteousness, his righteousness is by being proactive. So number two in your notes, get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. I told you James goes right for the jugular, you know. So he uses a word filth. And this word filth is actually not used in any other part of the Bible, not in the Old or the New Testament. It's a word that is only used in this verse. And this is what it means. It's the word filth. And it means exactly what you think it means. There's actually no fancy definition for it. It just means to make filthy. It's talking about our anger and our sinful compromises. It's, they use the word befoul, B-E-F-O-U-L, and it means to make dirty or to pollute, to defile or dishonor. So we've got to be proactive in getting rid of any filth that is in our lives. Then, then there is the word evil in verse 21. Get rid of all the filth and evil 
in your lives. He's, he's a bit, being a little bit redundant, but the definitions of the two words are different. And so that second word, evil, actually has a definition, a deeper definition that will really challenge the way that we live our lives. The word evil, it means the wickedness remaining over in a Christian from his state prior to conversion. So whatever sins we dealt with and wrestled with and fought and enjoyed <laughs> in our lives prior to Jesus, if those things are allowed to stay in our lives after conversion, that's the evil that James is talking about. So he's challenging us to root out the filth and the evil. So sometimes we get saved and we go along as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We give our lives to Jesus and a lot of things change in our lives, but then there's those sins, those things that we're not quite ready to deal with, those things, and sin is just something that is, it separates us from God. And so really we don't want any kind of evil, sinful, filthy things left in our lives, and it's God's plan that he would deliver us from all of those things as we were even singing about the name of Jesus. And so James is dialing in a little bit the filth, but also the evil, those things that we've just allowed to stay in our lives, maybe the, maybe the pet sins. You're like, man, I, I'm 90% better, right? I've done so good. And God's glorified in that. But what he's not glorified in is the permission that we're giving to that other 10% of our lives, the other areas of our lives where we haven't fully surrendered and fully submitted to God. And so that other 10% is often the problem, the, the area that gives us the biggest problem moving forward as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to get rid of that evil. In other words, God considers whatever residue, any wickedness remaining or left over from our days before knowing Jesus, he actually calls it evil. He actually calls it evil. He challenges our purity by zeroing in on our lives in the nitty-gritty, the details of our lives. We must be intentional about removing any remaining wickedness from our lives. Peter agrees. 1 Peter 2, 1 through 3 says, So, because you are born again, get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech, like newborn babies, because we've been born again in the kingdom of God. Like newborn babies, we must crave, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. We, we don't grow into a full experience of salvation, the freedom, the joy, the peace, the relationship with Jesus until we work on this stuff that's polluting our lives, this filthy stuff that's remained, this evil stuff that's remaining in our lives. If you want to experience the full experience of salvation, you've got to deal with all that stuff. You've got to get rid of it. Some people say, I don't know why Christians are so happy and because they've been dealing with stuff. And others are so sour and you wonder why. why? It's all because of the stuff that's left over in a person's life. We've got to deal with that stuff. So like newborn babies, we must crave pure spiritual milk so that we will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. It's like there's a desperation there. Like we need to pursue it with desperation. Like I want this nourishment. 
now that you've had a, a taste of the Lord's kindness. I'm, I'm kind of getting the feeling that Jesus wants his church to be like a bride without spot or wrinkle. He's actually got expectations for the way that we live our lives. He desires purity and humility and integrity from the people of God. And Ephesians 5 tells us that this is true. Ephesians 5, 25b through 27. He, Jesus, gave up his life for her, the church, to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. You think about a, a bride on her wedding day walking down the aisle with her white dress. Everybody's dressed to the nines. Everybody's looking great. Everybody's, and when the bride walks in, everybody stands up, right, because she's just beautiful. And she walks down the aisle. This is a picture of the church. We are the bride of Christ. And we need to pay attention to the details, even as a bride pays attention to the de every detail, every tiny little detail in her gown. There's just attention to detail because she's going to get married. So we've been married into the kingdom. We've been adopted into the kingdom. We've become the bride of Christ. And now we need to make sure that our apparel, that our lives inside and out represents who it is that we're married to and who it is that we're serving. So James 1.21 tells us, humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it is the power to save your soul. So we have to humbly accept this word. It has the power to save our souls. Becoming people with godly integrity requires that you, number one, allow God to develop in you his his righteousness. So it's his standard. It's his plan. We've got our own standard, but it always falls short of what God's standard is. Number two, get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. And number three, you must humbly accept the word God has planted, the word God has planted in your hearts. Why? Why do we have to humbly accept it? Why is, it has the power to save our souls. It's, it's not just a good idea, the word of God. It's not just a thought that God had, but it's the power of God that has the ability to save our souls. What is your soul? Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotion, it's eternal. Your soul is actually e the eternal part of you that will live forever and ever. Amen. The soul is the seats of the feelings, desires, affections, aversions. It's our hearts. It's our soul. The human soul is in so far as it is con constituted that by, let me read that again. The, the human soul, in so far as it is constituted that by the right use of the aids offered it by God, it can attain its highest end and secure eternal blessedness. The soul, regarded as a moral being, is designed for everlasting life or everlasting conscious separation from God in hell. So your soul is essentially who you are. The Word of God has the power to save your souls, to redeem your life, to put you on a path of righteousness, a path of integrity. The, the Word of God is the only thing that has the power to do that in your life. Your soul is essentially who you are. It differs from the physical body and is not dissolved by death. Your physical body will 
Boy, we're all getting a little older, aren't we? Even if you're young, you're getting older, and uh, your body will begin to break down, and when you get after death, it will decay, and then you'll be given a new body, a glorified body in heaven, but you'll keep your soul, your mind, your will, and emotion. So when we are told to humbly accept the word God has planted in our hearts, for it has the power to save our souls, that's a powerful promise. I love Matthew 10, 28, the King James Version. I grew up reading the King James Version. I memorized lots of the King James Version, but uh, we don't use it as much. It's just hard to read. And, um, so, but I love what it says, and we're going to look at a couple verses in Matthew from the King James Version. It says, and, and fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. That word destroy means to give over to eternal misery in hell. In Matthew 16, 26, it says, For what is, what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? We, we decide, what will we give in exchange for our soul? Will we give, well, it's, it's my own desire that I want. It's my own plans that I want. It's my own whatever, and you fill in the blank. What will we give in exchange for our soul? It's the Word of God, the transformational power of the Word of God that has the ability to save our souls. This is why we must humbly accept the Word God has planted in our hearts. When we're wrestling with God's Word, it's because we've got some arrogance in us. It says, no, I want my will to be done. And so that's why throughout the scripture we're told to humble ourselves before God. It says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So we're told to humbly accept the word that God has planted in our hearts. It's, a, it's really a matter of spiritual life and death. We have a challenge before us. What will we do with God's word? Will we allow it to have its full impact in our lives. The Apostle John understood this power of the word to be true. He writes in 1 John 2.14 in the New Living Translation, he says, I've written to you who are God's children because you know the Father. <laughs> I've written to you who are mature in the faith because you know, you know Christ who existed from the beginning. I, I've written to you who are young in the faith because you are strong. Why? Because God's word lives in your hearts and you have won your battle with the evil one. You want to win your battle with the evil one and stop wrestling with this flesh, the world, the flesh, and the devil? You want to give up your old life? Man, just allow, humbly so, the word of God to be planted in your life. So how do we humbly accept the word God has planted in our hearts? How do we humbly accept that? Let's look at verse 22 because it tells us. James 1.22, James says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says, right? Pretty straightforward. Don't just listen. Don't just read it. But, like, listen and do. Do what it says. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself. You walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, if you look into the law of God that sets you free, into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, 
and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, there's another verse about the tongue. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. So we've got this challenge before us through this half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ to, he, to, to think soberly about our lives, to take a personal inventory of our lives, and then begin to, one by one, allow God to just take control of those areas and deliver us from sinful distractions that have plagued our lives, maybe forever and ever. Verse 27, James says, this is what pure and genuine religion is. Pure and Genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. So he's calling us into ministry, caring for widows and orphans, but then also refusing to let the world corrupt us. And we have to be intentional about that 24-7 with all of the media and social media, all the stuff coming in our lives 24-7. We're being bombarded with information temptation, distractions, hindrances. And so we just have to be careful that we don't allow the world to corrupt us, that we actually refuse it. So it's, an, it's a decision. I'm refusing, <laughs> by God's grace, to allow the world to corrupt me. That's what that's, needs to be our decision as we get up every day. I'm not going to allow the world to corrupt me. And if I stumble, I'm going to keep short accounts with God because we might stumble from time to time, right? We're all going to stumble throughout the day. So we just say, okay, Lord, I'm, I've stumbled there. I don't want to stumble there anymore. I'm giving you this area of my life. I'm refusing to let the world corrupt me. Uh, a guy in our church, Shane Koch, read this. A lot of you know Shane. He was reading James chapter 1, and he read this part. Pure and genuine religion, the sight of the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress. And so he goes online and he Google searches orphanages that he might be able to serve in. So, you know, Shane's a single guy and uh, he's got freedom and flexibility. And he read what the scripture said and then wanted to do what the scripture said. So he's in Baja, California, about three hours south of the border for 10 to 14 days just serving in an orphanage there. And so he emails me while he's already there and he said, hey, I didn't have a chance to say goodbye I'll be gone just for a little bit. I'm serving in an orphanage in Baja, and they decided this verse. So that's a per perfect example. Now, we can't all uproot and go to Baja, but some of us can. We can do the work of God in other ways, in our community, in our culture, but what are we going to do about the Word of God? When we read something, how will we respond? And so the answer is, Lord, I, Lord, I want to do this. We just bring everything to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I want to do this. I don't know what that looks like. Maybe I give financially. Maybe I go personally. Uh, maybe I pray for. And we participate in the kingdom work that God has called us to do, not allowing, not allowing the world to corrupt us. In fact, refusing to let the world corrupt us, becoming people with godly integrity. Let's invite the worship team up. Becoming people with godly integrity requires... <laughs> That you, number one, allow God to develop in you his righteousness. That we get rid of all the filth and evil in our lives. And number three, that we must humbly accept the word God has planted in our hearts. With that, let's go ahead and stand up. We're going to worship some more. I would encourage you just to, as you worship, think about what has been communicated. Think about the message that God has spoken 
And then ask the Lord, okay, right now, Lord, what is it that you would have me to do? Right now, Lord, what is it that you're calling me to do? And then just be committed to begin to walk in that direction and watch what he will do. So, Lord, we just avail ourselves to you this Sunday and every Sunday and throughout the weeks and months and years, Lord God, for the rest of our lives, we're committed to listen and obey, to become people who are filled with godly integrity. So, Lord, shape us, make us. God, help us to honor you and glorify you with our lives. God, as we worship, help us to worship in spirit and in truth. Watch over your people, we pray, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.
this would be our song on our heart for the rest of this week, glorifying you, thanking you, praising you for how much you love us. In Jesus' name.